Bibles, Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> I told you we're teaching on the book of Romans, and we're not going through chapter by chapter, but topic by topic, and tonight I'm about as wound up as I can be, so hang on. Uh, I got 39, 40 minutes, and we're going to pack about three hours in it, so hang on. You ready? Romans chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, watch this next statement, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, keep your Bibles open. I want you to mark that statement, separated unto. Separated unto. Tonight, I want to take your Christian life and I want to elevate it about three levels. We're not going to go step by step. We're going to jump a few steps here, all in one service tonight. Uh, I want you to listen to this next couple statements. I want you to get a little better view of how God sees things and less how we see things. I want you to understand how God sees things in our life, not how we see it. Now, I want you to let the Holy Spirit work on you to see it as God shows it to us. I am not God. I know that's a shock to some of you. Uh, but I am not God. But his word is, and I'll give it to you as God says it. I'm going to spend about the next five or six minutes reviewing several of the things we've covered in the book of Romans. I've got to set the foundation. If you miss the next five or six or so minutes, you're going to be lost with the rest of the truth. Please listen. Uh, I'm not going to be redundant, but I need to lay this foundation. When a person gets saved, there's, there's a term used, they get justified. We spent a whole uh, Wednesday night on the word justify or justification. It literally means to bring us in line. If you remember, uh, on computers, you can set up your printer to justify left column, right column, double column. It means that everything's in line. And we did learn about justification. This is something God does, not something we do. It's a package deal that comes with salvation. But when we get justified, it brings us back to zero. It brings us to level. Does that make sense? Uh, the scales of justice, when they're balanced equally, they're just. In other words, they're on the same line. They're on the same level. That's what being justified means. But it means it brings us back to zero. When you get pardoned, if you remember, the word pardon means you've been accused, found guilty, tried, and you're sentenced. But a pardon comes from somebody of higher authority, 
and they wipe that away as though it never had happened and you're back at zero. It does not mean that you're farther ahead. It just takes everything away and brings you back to level. Does that make sense to everybody? So a pardon takes that punishment away. It takes all that judgment away. But it doesn't make you a a righteous person. It just brings you back to level. Just like being justified. Then, uh, and again, that comes with salvation. Now, there is nothing more clear in scripture than that we are saved by grace through faith. We cannot work to get saved. I'm going to make a statement though. Without righteousness, we would all die and go to hell. Bible says that we are not saved by our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is the doctrine of imputed or imputation righteousness, where God takes our lack of righteousness, adds the account of Jesus to our life, and it takes care of all the righteousness necessary for us to get saved. Let me say it this way. I've said this before. You could go through life without sinning and die and go to hell. It's not just the absence of bad. There has to be the presence of enough righteousness. And because we're all sinners, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. God says even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Even the good we do is tainted by sin. So for salvation, we do not have enough righteousness. We could not live righteous enough. We have to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ to get us saved. Galatians 3.10, Galatians 3.17, Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.17. I could go on and on and on and on. We're not going to go back over that. But Romans 10, 1 through 3, turn to Romans chapter 10. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. I can quote it, but I'm going to read it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of whose righteousness? And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. In other words, when we get saved, God takes the account of Jesus' righteousness and he puts it on our account. And when God sees the saved person, he doesn't see the sinful Ron Shank. Thank God. He sees Jesus Christ. That's why in 1 John it says that his seed remaineth in him and there is no sin. Because God doesn't see our sin, it's been justified, it's been pardoned, and he only sees the righteousness of Christ in the same person. It doesn't say you don't sin, but in God's standing and in God's books, the righteousness already took care of it, past, present, and future. And it's already been cared for, but it's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of our righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. Now, that brings us to where we need to be. 
I did it in under six minutes. Praise the Lord. That was the review. Now, tonight we're going to turn to a truth here that is in line with and it's part of salvation. It comes with salvation, but this is a part that is dependent on us. Not to be saved, but about our salvation. I preached a sermon several years ago. There's a difference in being saved and being converted. Saved means salvaged. But you're not totally salvaged. Just because you're pulled out of the trash doesn't mean you're salvaged. There's a process to be recycled. And just because somebody gets saved doesn't mean they're converted. You can buy a building, but if you let it just be what it was, you didn't convert it. Uh, Brother Barry up in Maine is buying a, or uh, renting a storefront building. It was a shopping store before. Now it's going to be a church building. It's not a church building yet, but once it gets converted, it will be. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you're living like Christian yet. There's a conversion that takes place. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, now hang on. Here we go. The Bible is God's word, not man's. These are the words of God, not the words of man. I'm not going to fight anybody, but I think it's wrong when we say, well, Paul says here, Paul didn't say it, these are the words of God. John didn't write and say in his own words something. I think it's wrong when we say the four Gospels. There's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel according to. That's only in the, uh, the, the written notes by man that's never found in the actual scripture. Everybody doing okay? So these aren't man's words. These are God's words. And when we start saying, well, John says here and Paul says here and Moses says here, uh, God said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. In other words, there has to be an every word Bible somewhere or God's a liar. And he said he would preserve his word forever. He said not one jot or one tittle. That's the dot of an I and the crossing of a T. He said not one of those will perish till he comes again. So there has to be an every word Bible somewhere. And it's not man's words, it's God's. God didn't put the thoughts in man's mind and man wrote them. God spoke them and man wrote them. They were literally spoken by God. Go through the Old Testament and look at the statement, look up the statement. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, oh, (laughs) the word of the Lord came unto me saying, yeah, he spoke it. That's exactly what that means. So uh, now (laughs) here we go. God does not ever intend For man to just get saved and continuing to live like the lost world. That's That's not his desire. But listen to this next statement. If someone does, it does not mean that they did not get saved. Just like your children didn't or don't always do exactly what you want them to do. If they ever disobeyed you, did they cease to become your children? There were days you wanted them to cease to become living. 
As my father said to me more than one time, brought you into this world, I can take you out. And there was a couple times I thought he meant it. Now, just because, by the way, they don't stop being your children, nor do they stop being a human because they disobeyed. Just like when a person gets saved, even if they don't live the way God wants them to, does not mean that they stop being saved. Everybody doing okay? Now hang on here. You can't be unborn because you were disobedient. Then how can we be unborn again? So who are we to judge based on how somebody lives? Now, here's the truth I want you to see tonight. And we've got to hurry. Uh, This is is, all that was foundation. Now let's start building the building. Here comes the first beam. God says once we're saved, he wants us to be separated from the world. But he also wants us separated unto something. There's two separations. Now, God doesn't want you just separated from the world. Romans 1, chapter 1, what does it say? Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Not only are we to be separated from the world, but he wants us to be separated to God. It is twofold. Now, here we go. This is, this is where I need you to listen. Everything I just said for the last nine minutes, we're about to transition into the truth. For us to just separate from the world, it's like justification or pardoning or uh, where it brings us back to zero. Separating from the world brings us back to where he wanted us to begin It's not the end. Not until we separate unto do we start going like imputed righteousness. So just like justification, just like pardoning, when we separate from the world, it brings us back to a baseline of zero. But not until we separate unto something do we get into that righteousness aspect. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Now, (laughs) just separating from something does not mean you're automatically separated unto something else. Just the turning away from the world does not make you separated unto God. It just means you're not separated to the world. Now, here we go. This is why many Christians get caught up in worldly religiosity Strange doctrines and cults. Please don't get angry with me. I grew up with these people. I know them better than probably anybody in this room. I'm going to use a a group of people. The Amish are separated from the world. They're not separated to God. Most of your cults will separate from the world. David Koresh. Who's the guy down in Guyana? Oh, Jim Jones. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> all of your, your cults will separate from the world, but it does not mean that they're separated to God. 
And just because you come out of the world and you're not like the world doesn't mean you're like what God wants you to be. The purpose of separation is so that we can obey God and be closer to God. It is not to show everybody else how wonderful we are. Hang on, I'm going somewhere. God made me to fellowship with him. The closer to the world I am, the less I can fellowship with him because I'm too much like the world and the sin and the flesh and the devil. So the closer I get to him, the more of that has to come off. But just because that comes off does not mean I'm close to him. I can go sit in a car in the garage. I could live in the garage. It does not make me a car. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm separated from everything else, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be a car. I can even go broom everywhere I go and it's not going to make me a car. We live in such a weird society. Kids can put ears on their head and a leash on their neck and go to the bathroom in a litter box and think they're a cat. But guess what? They're still a human being. They're perverted by perverted adults to think they are something they're not. And it's wrong. It's vile, it's evil, and it's wicked. And the public schools in Jefferson and Berkeley County are accommodating that mess and teaching that mess as we speak. Hang on. The purpose of separation is so that we can obey God and be closer in fellowship with him. It's not a badge that you pin on and say, look at me. Look at how wonderful I am. Look how close to God I am. You know, anybody that ever got a glimpse of God's glory always said, woe is me, not look at me. It allows us, separating to God is not a trophy that we wear. And just because you separate from the world doesn't give you a trophy. But as you separate to God... You get a closeness with him that you would never have possible any other way. It's a relationship in a walk with God. As your pastor, listen to this statement. I don't want you to be just separated from the world. I want you to be separated unto God. I do want us to be different than the world. I do want us to separate from the world. Not like a cult. But my goal is for you to get far enough from the world that you start looking at God saying, I'd rather have that than that. Let me tell you, the world doesn't have anything on God. Your distance from the world, listen to this statement, does not guarantee a closeness to God. I know people that will do everything they can in religion to not look like, act like, talk like, walk like the world. But they're not saved and they're going to die and go to hell. Just because you're not like the world doesn't mean you're what God wants you to be. It just means you're not as much like the devil. That's all that it means. It brings you back to zero. Now, the devil does all he can to destroy biblical separation. He wants everyone to do anything but obey God. 
By the way, liberals are the same way. Isn't it amazing? You can do anything you want but be a Christian? Oh, you, you sick, vile people, you're Christians. You're violent. Mm-hmm. So, let me give you three statements tonight. And we're going to back it with a lot of scripture. You ready? Point number one. Everyone believes in separation to some level. Saved and lost. Everybody believes in separation. Marriage. Did you know that marriage is separation? When I married my wife, we made a vow that we would separate from everybody else and only be us. It is a separation. Fellas, that's why they put the ring in your nose. I mean, uh, on your finger. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is a separation. It means us two, nobody else is allowed. That's what marriage is. It is a separation. Now, children. Did you know children are separated by name? You know, I thank God for your kids, but I'm glad they don't come live at my house. I don't even want my kids to live at my house anymore. Now, the grandkid, he's going to come visit, but I ain't changing him. He screams at two in the morning. I'm not going to get up and deal with it. That's his mama's job, not my job. If my wife wants to get up, let her get up, but I ain't getting up. Say, why? Not my kid. You say, that's cruel, preacher. No, that's called separation. It's not my job to rear my grandchild. You see, by the way, the children aren't the governments either. Just because they go to a public school does not make them government property. It's about time parents rise up and fight against this garbage. They're not society's children. They're yours. <laughs> By the way, it's not your job to go around correcting somebody else's kids. Now, if they're under my administration here at the school, we'll correct them. We have a guideline by which we'll do that. But I'm not going to come to your home and correct your kids for you. <laughs> I had a hard enough time doing my own three. Why would I do yours? I made it through. I ain't doing that anymore. Uh, countries. Countries are separated by something called borders, or at least they're supposed to be. Right. Say, why do countries have borders? Because it's a separation. It is a separation of government. Counties have it. States have it. Our country has it. Those, those are areas of separation. So everybody believes in separation. <laughs> Families, did you know, <laughs> uh, I hate to tell you this, but if you're not related to me, we're separated. We're a different family, different clan, different genetics, all that kind of stuff. There is a separation by name, by family. Let me give you another one real quick. There's a separation by finances. Aren't you glad everybody doesn't have access to all your finances? That I could write a check and it comes out of uh, Brother Myers' account. Remember, find somebody's got money. Uh, Brother Randy. I mean, uh, <laughs> aren't you glad that you, you don't write a check and uh, somebody else writes a check and it comes out of your account? 
So we're separated financially. Aren't you glad everybody in the world doesn't have access to all you have? When you buy your house, it's a separation. You're not, unless you have a key, don't enter. You might exit, but they're going to carry you in a black bag, amen? You'll be warm and squishy and gooey if you come in mine. And it's going to be leaking fluids everywhere. Say, why? If you're not invited, don't show up through the door uninvited. What is that separation? Preacher, you wouldn't do that. You want to try it? There was a day where we were separated by being a man or a woman. And everybody understood it. There was a separation of bathrooms. I had to laugh. Our signs on our bathroom doors, everybody that visits here starts laughing at those things. They don't understand how much legal mess that keeps me out of. Uh, by the way, Satan and liberals want to break those barriers down so that there is no separation. Women's lib movement. Well, a, a woman could do anything a man can do. Not totally true. And ain't no man in the world wanting to try to do something. Ain't no man, a real man in the world wants to have a baby. Nope, 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 nope. Not happening. <laughs> Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Now, I have to hurry. So everyone believes in separation at some level. Number two. Whew. God needs us separated from the world so that we can separate to him. The average Christian never grows past, well, I just don't see it that way. Who made you the determining factor of what to separate from? Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to read few verses here, we're going to jump around a couple other places, and I'm going to scream and holler for a second, and we'll go on. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Stop right there. Do you know what the word yoke means? It's like two oxen in the olden days, and they would have that bar that would join them at the neck so that they would pull the plow together. God says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, don't be working side by side. And I don't mean at a job, but I mean in your everyday life of everything that you do is with somebody who's not saved. Together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? It doesn't work. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for the devil. Notice it's capital. Or Belial, however you want to say it. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? In other words, young people, don't marry and date somebody who's not saved. They're an infidel. They're lost. It's light and dark and it doesn't abide. And that's why it doesn't work very well. Verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He's separating us by family. In other words, don't fellowship with your lost family. I don't mean your your unsaved family members. But don't go back to your father, the devil. He wants to be your father, God. But too many Christians want to fellowship with their old dad. They want to rejoin the old family. God says, no, I want you to bring you in. Not only are you born again, but I adopted you. And I brought you into my family. Now leave them, come here, and stay here. This is what's best for you. Boy, that's good stuff. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Hebrews, James, Peter, towards the back of the New Testament there. 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 9. Turn quickly, lick your finger and stick it in somebody's ear or something. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a, what's the next word? Peculiar people. Do you know what the word peculiar means? It doesn't mean weird. The word peculiar means separated. Different than everything else. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now a people of God. Which had not been obtained, uh, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God says, look, I want to separate you. I want you to be a peculiar people, not weird. He said, I, I want you to be my sons and my daughters, and I want you to be a royal priesthood. Now, start living like that, not like the devil. He said, I want you to live more like my family than your lost family was. Live more like your new dad wants than the devil wants. Turn to Jude, right before the book of Revelation. First, second, third John, Jude, Revelation. It's only one chapter. If you get to chapter two, throw your Bible away. Jude, verse number 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that he told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should not walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. In other words, God's telling us that the world's crowd, as we get closer to the end day, are separating away from us to vileness, evilness, sensualness. Have you noticed it lately? Like never before, and then we're the weird ones. He said, just build up on your most holy faith. Don't worry about it. We are separated by family, by birth and adoption. John chapter 1, verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, becomes the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we are separated by family. We're separated by a spirit versus a non-spirit. God wants us separate from the world. Now watch this. 
Because God knows the things of the world are going to keep us from getting closer to him. You were in Jude. Go back to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Just a couple pages back. Look at verse number 14. i got to hurry. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and of the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world, or of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God says don't love the world. Neither the things that are of the world. <laughs> I get a little tired of hearing preachers. Well, bless God, I've sacrificed to be in the ministry. If I, if I wasn't in the ministry, I could have made money. You didn't sacrifice anything. All you did was give up some stupid money. <laughs> if it means that much to you, go build your own career and get, make, <laughs> make an honest living. God wants us not to be like the world. We're not supposed to love the worldly things. Folks, I enjoy sports, but can I tell you something? There's more important things in the world than sports. A whole lot more important. I loved baseball. I I enjoyed those things, but it can become a God. That's why it's a God in America today. Number three. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Number three. Separation unto God is like us having righteousness added to our account. Separating from the world is like justification and pardoning where it brings us back to zero. When we begin to separate unto God, by the way, the act of leaving the world is not separating to God. It's just leaving the world. It's just bringing you back to zero. It's not until, well, preacher, I gave this up and I quit doing this. I quit doing that. I quit. God bless you. I'm glad you did. Now, how's your walk with God? Uh, Well, I quit doing that and I quit. No, no, no. How's your walk with God? Just because you walked away from the things of the world doesn't mean you've separated unto God. Pardon my homespunness on this, but just because you got a brownie button for leaving the world doesn't mean anything to God. I know Christians, oh, look at me. I, I cleaned up. I used to do this. I used to do Look at me now. Okay, how's your walk with God? How are you witnessing? Are you separated unto something? Not just away from, but unto. Now watch this. Separation from the world brings us back to a net zero. Separation unto God, or the gospel, adds to our account. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, that Paul, it says of Paul that he was separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm almost done, I promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I am going to read quite a few verses. Follow along with me. Let me take a drink of water so I don't spit too much. 
And I want you to see what God has to say here. Keep the word separation in mind here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. In other words, it's not wise to go to the bar and drink Pepsi. Well, everybody else is drinking liquor. Is that plain enough? You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Did you know what? It's lawful for me to go get drunk as long as I don't drive, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Lawful for me to do things that God says don't do. I'm not breaking the law of the Lamb, but you're not obeying God. Verse 24. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be not disposed to go, whatso, uh, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, Eat not for the sake that it showed. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that may be saved. I've been in people's homes that are of a different religion. They ate things I wouldn't necessarily eat, but I choked it down anyway. Now, if they came to me and said, well, we're going to eat this, and it was presented at our temple to our God. And this is, I'd say, I'm sorry, I won't do that. I wouldn't defile your church nor mine. That wouldn't be right. But if they don't say that it was that, I'll sit down and choke it down. Everybody doing okay? Say, preacher, didn't, shouldn't you ask first? Why? Now, if they're going to be so bold as to say that, that's one thing. But it doesn't say that I couldn't share that meal with them. Now, if they said it's been offered to an idol, offered to another god, and this is something special to us, I'd say, sorry, I can't do that. Say, you would be rude? <laughs> I'd rather be rude to man than God. Everybody doing all right? In other words, there's an appropriate way to be separated. You don't have to offend somebody. <laughs> uh... I'm, i I got to finish here. 
separating or separation unto the gospel gets your eyes off yourself and more concerned about others. Romans 1 says, Paul was separated unto the gospel of God. Now look at me for a second. When you get so wrapped up into trying to get the gospel to other people, you start getting concerned about people being lost. You get concerned about living so that they want to hear what you say. Please don't take this the wrong way. But if I step up at a gas station and hand somebody a gospel track, okay, I was talking to a guy working on a house today that I was looking at for Anthony and Katora. I said, look, I said, is this thing for sale? He said, yes. I said, do you know who I contact? He said, got a piece of paper? I said, here we go. He said, man, you're fast. I said, I'm ready. He said, well, who are you? I told him. He said, oh, and I reached in my pocket. He said, I've gotten one of those before. I said, well, you got another one. Now, wait a minute. He calls his boss and said, hey, the pastor's here. He's got a guy coming and, uh, and he starts, he start making all the phone calls for me. He opened up the house. I didn't, he said, you want to go in? Sure. I'll go look at it for him. I didn't need a realer. Amen. Now hang on. You think he's more apt to listen to me or some, this is not a nice thing to say probably, some Jesus freak hippie? Guy with hair down to his waist, smoking dope, playing rock music, think he's going to listen to him or me? In other words, how we live separate from the world gives us credibility with the gospel. It's not so people look at me and say, wow, look at that. No, it's so that you build credibility. That people will want to listen to what you have. <laughs> I'm for anybody getting the gospel out anytime. But when I go out soul winning, representing the church, and I've given tracts out in any kind of situation, talk to people in every situation, including in my camel. Trust me. Yeah, Brother Rand seen it. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, I've done it. Now, watch this. But when I go out representing the church, I at least wear a shirt and tie. I'm not one of these people that believe we just go out there casual like the rest of the world. Well, maybe they'll just accept me because I'm dressed like them. No, we're supposed to be different than them. Yes, you going to trust your kids to the Jesus freak or somebody like us? The hippies that are playing all the weirdo music? Why are our churches going back to looking like the world? And the ones that are, aren't seeing people saved. For you to separate unto God and unto the gospel, you have to lose your pride. You know, you have to swallow your pride to talk to somebody else about God when you have to tell them you're a sinner too. <laughs> That's not real fun. Well, it's true. Uh, you have to have people willing to scream at you, holler at you, slam doors in your face, call you everything but something nice, call the police on you, whatever, sick the dog on you. Uh, 
But the more you do it, the more sensitive you become to wanting people to listen to the gospel. The more close you get to God, the, more, the less you understand why people don't want him. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why the world hates God because it's so good on this side. <laughs> they don't know what they're missing. In other words, the, and the, by the way, the more people you give the gospel to, the closer you want to be to God so that you can help more people. And it's not about look at me. It's about so that I can get closer to him to help more people. And it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's not about being separate from the world. It's being separated unto God. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the vehicle to do that. I can show you churches full of people who don't smoke, don't drink, and don't go with girls that do, but they ain't done nothing. They're not separated unto God. And their churches are dead. Can I tell you why? They're only separated from the world, but they're not separated to God. They're not separated unto the gospel to see people get saved. Well, we'll give more money and support more missionaries. We'll let them do the witnessing for us. No, you have an obligation. It's 8.06. Separation is all about us getting closer to God and getting the gospel out more. It is not measured by how far away from the world we get, but how close to God and how much more the gospel we get out. That's all it is. Separation, unlike, separation from the world is that justification, that pardoning aspect. It brings us back to zero. Not until you start separating unto God do you start getting into that righteousness aspect. Boy, what a wonderful place to live. Separated unto the gospel of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <coughs> I've not gone into any specifics of separation. I don't think I have to. I think the Holy Spirit will do his job. But I wonder, how's our separation is it only coming out of the world or is it separating unto God? 